Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today is a very special episode. Do you remember when sitcoms used to do those in like the 1980s? It would be like, tonight, a very special episode of Family Ties. And then Alex P. Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox, would cheat on a test or like on growing pains. Someone would break into the Seavers house. Those were the best. Well, that's what today's episode is going to be because I'm going to share the first 11 pages of my brand new book, All It Takes is a Goal. It comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow is the release date, but you're going to get to hear all 11 of the first pages. That's going to be super fun. But first, let's hear a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Are you living up to your full potential? Dr. Mike Peasley and I asked over 3,000 people this question, and the research was wild. Here's what we found. 50% of people reported that 50% of their full potential is untapped. That means half of us are walking around with half lives. But what if you could have a fulfilling career? What if you could enjoy a thriving marriage and strong friendships? What if you could be in the greatest shape of your life? The good news is you can. In my new book, All It Takes is a Goal, you'll learn how to escape the comfort zone, avoid the chaos zone, and live in the potential zone. Plus, for a limited time, when you order by September 12th, you'll get amazing bonuses like the entire audiobook read by me. That's right. You get the entire audiobook for free. You also get a signed book plate and an exclusive download of my dream plan do review poster. Order your copy anywhere books are sold and then claim your bonuses at atgbook.com. That's atgbook.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. I wrote a brand new book called All It Takes is a Goal. The subtitle is The Three-Step Plan to Ditch Regret and Tap into Your Massive Potential comes out tomorrow, September 12th. And here's why that's important. If you pre-order before September 12th, and I get it. I don't pre-order a ton of stuff. I pre-order for like friends when I know a friend's book is coming out and I want to support them, support her. I do that. But if you're like not a pre-order person, I get that. But here's why you should pre-order today. If you're listening to this on September 11th, you get the entire audiobook for free. Not just a chapter, not just a section, the whole thing. So stop what you're doing. Pre-order anywhere books are sold and then go to atgbook.com to claim your free audiobook. That's atgbook.com. So I've never done this before. I've never shared a big chunk of the book before it was out. But I've also never had a podcast before either when I published a book. So so everything is new right now. Everything is. I'm going to start with the introduction and then I'll give you the, the first 11 pages. I'll probably riff a bit as well to give you some kind of insider information about why did I write that? What did that mean? But I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be an interesting experience for both of us. So with no further ado, here we go. Introduction, frustrated and curious about potential. I didn't think about living up to my full potential until I was 45 years old. What can I say? I'm a late bloomer. When I finally did, I got frustrated and curious. The frustration started when I took a college tour with my oldest daughter one crisp October day. I wasn't expecting to feel anything but excitement for her in that moment, but a rogue wave of disappointment knocked me over midway through the visit. My wife and I were standing next to each other, overlooking the quad at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, but we were having completely opposite experiences. 
She was remembering our shared alma mater with fondness. Her wistful eyes were sweeping the campus, and she was having a hard time deciding which of the hundreds of memories was her favorite. Wasn't college just the best, she asked me, squeezing my arm for emphasis. What? No. It was a mess, I said, scanning the same exact acre she was, but instead seeing my collegiate train wreck. I had arrived in Alabama from my hometown of Hudson, Massachusetts, with a goodwill hunting level of sarcasm that quickly got me rejected from every fraternity on campus. I was put on social suspension for a year after a disastrous Halloween prank, and I ended up working at the shaved ice stand outside our local Walmart. This wasn't inside the Walmart. This was an unaffiliated street cart that a man named Kevin just rolled onto the sidewalk near the entrance. Is that, is that what you did during your first semester of college? Unlocked shaved ice guy level at Walmart? Now, I'd like to say I turned things around after my freshman year, but then we'd have to overlook my foray into rave culture. Yes, I wore reflective clothing and danced in warehouses with glow sticks at 3 a.m. during my senior year. Senior year. I guess I wanted to put a neon cap on my college career, an electronic bow on what might have been. Standing there 25 years later, I was so frustrated that I had wasted all the potential of college. A university campus practically crackles with possibility. The opportunity to be something, do something, become something is everywhere you look. My oldest daughter was about to make the most of it. My wife had already made the most of it. But I, I hadn't. How could I have missed it? On the drive back to Nashville and in the weeks ahead, that question weighed heavy on me. In the past, that sense of regret would have turned into bitterness and resignation. Have you ever felt that way after bumping into an opportunity you missed or a chance you blew? That's my normal response. But this time was different. I'd spent the previous two years researching and writing about the power of mindset for a book I published called Soundtracks. I knew that one of the best things you can do with a negative soundtrack, my phrase for repetitive thought, is ask, is this helpful? Bitterness never is. So instead, I decided to see if I could flip my frustration into curiosity. Maybe it was my age. Your 40s hit different. They make you more introspective about where you've been and where you're headed. My wife and I were also two years away from being empty nesters. There were significant changes on the horizon, and I started to ask the question about my life that smarter people ask in their 20s and 30s. I didn't live up to my potential in college. That's true, and I, I can't change that. But I started to wonder if I could change something even better, my future. Could I change this week? Could I change this month or even this whole year? College was only four years long. I still had decades of life ahead of me. I was late to my 30s, so I wanted to be early to my 50s. I didn't make the most of my 20s, and I ended up in my 30s without a real plan or foundation for my life. I wasn't about to let that same thing happen again for my 50s, 60s, and beyond. I didn't know if living up to my full potential was possible, but I had a sneaking suspicion that I was capable of more, and I wanted to know what I could do about that. Turns out I'm not the only one who feels that way. Tapping into our potential. When I got curious about tapping into my full potential, I did what I always do when I get curious. I commissioned a research study with Dr. Mike Peasley, a professor at Middle Tennessee State University. 
He and I asked more than 3,000 people if they felt they were living up to their full potential. Only 4% of them said yes. That is a surprisingly low statistic, but it's not the one that stood up the most to me. According to our study, 50% of people feel that 50% of their full potential is untapped. That means half of us are walking around with half lives. No wonder Twitter is so grumpy. Imagine if every Christmas you only opened up half your gifts. You could see the rest. A whole pile of them was in the corner of the room, but you never got to open them. The crazy thing is that no one was stopping you. There might even be friends and family members encouraging you to open them all up, but for some reason, they just felt out of reach. Would that make for a happy Christmas, a happy house, a happy job, a happy anything? It wouldn't. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if, what if you could have a fulfilling career? What if you could enjoy a thriving marriage and strong friendships? What if you could be in the greatest shape of your life? What if you could write that book, start that business, declutter that garage, and pay to fly your immigrant parents first class back to the Netherlands so that they could finally see the Tulip Festival? What if each day felt like a gift and each year progressively got better? If you're in your 20s, what if this could be your favorite decade followed by your 30s, which was even more fun, and then your 40s, which was somehow even better than those, that would be the best. So let's keep this simple. What if I could turn potential into a goal? What if all it takes is a goal? That would certainly simplify an otherwise confusing challenge. You can't take action on an idea that you can't even define. And potential is such a fuzzy word. It's like trying to win a race without a finish line. You don't know if you're headed in the right direction, you can't tell if you're making any progress, and you tend to get frustrated by the whole process. That's what I sense people were struggling with when I asked them to define potential. Their answers were all over the map. They'd say things like, potential is a feeling of purpose, or it's joy, or it's no regrets, or freedom to do what I choose, or maximum effectiveness. Those seem like aspects of potential but they didn't add a lot of actionable clarity to the conversation. Feelings, for instance, are an important light to monitor on the dashboard of your life, but they can also be inconsistent and flighty. What about, what about joy? How do you measure that? Is there some sort of scale or color system? I'm deep orange today, which is the amount of joy I expect on a Tuesday. I hope I'm magenta by Friday. And no regrets? I mean, Daniel Pink's book, The Power of Regret, proved that while no regrets is a popular tattoo, it's also an impossible thing to achieve. The average person makes up to 35,000 decisions a day. Have you ever gone 35,000 for 35,000 on a Monday? Me? Me neither. Even the most calculated, careful life ends up with some regrets. And maximum effectiveness, that sounds like a robot. I have achieved maximum effectiveness, but requires sustenance. What if life was simpler than that, though? The more I thought about it, the more I kept coming back to one critical question. What if all it takes is a goal? Could I trigger a host of easy goals that would cascade into big accomplishments by turning this thing I suddenly cared about, my potential, into a goal? I only had the tiniest sliver of belief at first, but that was all I needed to start. Equipped with that one idea, I began to seriously explore the concept of potential. Everything was great for about 14 seconds until I ran into the same wall 
that you've hit before. Chapter one, go back to the future. What do you want to be when you grow up? That question paralyzes me. I wish it didn't. I wish dreaming about the future was something I was better at. I wish I didn't freeze up when people ask, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? But I do. This is my seventh self-help book. So you'd think I'd be better at imagining the future, but I'm not. When I initially started working on my potential, I ran into the same obstacle I'd bumped into a thousand times before, the vision wall. The vision wall is the gateway that stands between you and your potential. It only has one rule. In order to fulfill your potential, you must create a detailed, compelling, long-reaching vision for your life. Now, I didn't invent the wall. Nearly every life planning book ever written has added to it brick by brick. The most famous example is from Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Habit number two is begin with the end in mind. After millions of copies sold and millions of misinterpretations were shared, that idea has mutated to, if you don't know the end, you can't begin. Now, Covey didn't write that, but that's what the vision wall tells you he meant. More recently, the vision wall turned Simon Sinek's popular start with why into don't try until you know why. This brilliant book doesn't actually set up the concept that way. It doesn't say that, but the vision wall doesn't fight fair. What started out as an insightful directive meant to help companies like Apple figure out their ethos became a mythical key individuals needed to acquire before tapping into their potential. I once watched a friend spend six months trying to figure out his why with books and coaches and personality tests. He was convinced that as soon as he knew that, his why, everything else would fall into place. Who can blame him? The vision wall tells you, no why, no try. Entrepreneurs hit the vision wall when experts tell them they must know their micro niche before starting a business. You can't be a florist. That's too broad. You should decide to focus on selling gold of Kinabalu orchards from Malaysia to redheaded interior designers from San Diego who are named Alexis. It took me 25 years of full-time professional writing to hone in on my niche and target audience. But you should know yours before you start. So living out of your full potential is easy then. All you have to do is predict the end, discover your why, and correctly identify your micro niche, niche to get rich, with laser-like precision. Then you can begin. Fake deaths, fake cars, and real problems. In order to scale the vision wall, we often try gimmicks like imagining we're dying as a backdoor to motivation. If you only had six months to live, what would you put on your bucket list? These sort of exercises, which I've written about before and tried in my own life, immediately fall apart in the real world. If I were dying, I wouldn't bother to pay my taxes, file invoices with clients, be nice to difficult neighbors, fold laundry, or a million other annoying things that a full life requires. I'd be too busy skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, watching an eagle as it was flying, and the sundry other items in Tim McGraw's appropriately named song, Live Like You Were Dying. Although positive post-traumatic growth has been shown to occur for people who survive illness and loss, I haven't met a single person who had a sustained life change after rallying around an imaginary health scare. Momentary motivation? Sure. Long-term fulfillment? Nope. You haven't met that person either. Oh, what really changed my life? 
Well, an imaginary car crash off an imaginary bridge into an imaginary river. I swore when I finally swam to shore that I was going to imagine being a new person. I didn't know my end and I didn't know my why. If anything, I felt completely divorced from my desire. Like we saw each other on holidays and occasional vacations, but for the most part, desire felt like a total stranger to me. To thy own self be true is helpful if you know who you are, but I didn't, which is why for years I thought I was a Jeep guy. In my 30s, I dreamed about one day owning a Jeep Wrangler. I built them online constantly. I oohed and awed every time I saw one. I imagined a future where I required a snorkel in the side of my rig because I was regularly fording creeks and whatnot. Shovel attached to the hood? Need it. Spare gas can on the back for really long off-road expeditions? Add it. Tiny three-rung ladder offering two feet of additional visibility? Better throw that on there too because I plan to constantly be on that roof. I talked to Jeep owners and I promised that I'd start doing the Jeep wave when we passed each other on the road as soon as I owned one. After hearing me talk about Jeeps for a decade, my wife Jenny finally had enough. When we sat down to talk about buying a new car, she surprised me and said, I don't think you'd even like a Jeep. I was flabbergasted. I should have just told her, "Ah, it's a Jeep thing, you wouldn't understand. But we've been to a lot of marriage counseling, so instead I practiced reflective listening. When you say you wouldn't like a Jeep, what do you mean, I asked her. Well, she said, you're not an outdoors guy. You hate getting dirty. You mildly tolerate camping because I love it. And you're furious when you step on a melted ice cube in the kitchen and get your sock wet. Yeah, I replied. That, that's because it's like carrying around a puddle with you all day long on your foot. But I've always been a Jeep guy. If I'm not a Jeep guy, Jenny, what am, what am I supposed to do with this Salt Life sticker? I don't know about that, she said, but I think you're a hot hatch guy. I didn't even know what that phrase meant. But a week later, we were test driving a little red Volkswagen GTI hatchback. A week and 10 minutes later, I was in love. A month later, I was trying to Tokyo drift my way into parking spots because my go-kart-like car was so fun to drive. That's how disconnected I was from what I really liked. And that was just the car I drive. Imagine how confused I was about my vision for the future. One is a vehicle. The other is what I want to do with the rest of my life. If you have to know your future to change your present, I was screwed. I couldn't even envision the type of car I'd like. There had to be another way. Boom, boom, boom. Spoiler alert. There was another way. That's the end of the section. There's a way. There's a tool I teach in chapter two. And I think it's the best life planning tool I've ever seen. It's so easy, so fun, and so helpful. I've taught it to hundreds of people before, and I think you're going to love it. The results were amazing. So, so fun. And that's the first little section of the book. That's the first 11 pages. And that's how it started. This book started with that trip to college. We took Ellie to Sanford University, and we were standing there, and that's the exact moment I had. A moment of feeling like, wow, I could have made more of that opportunity. You ever feel like that? Is there a, you know, as I was reading that, was there a part of your life that feels like that? Where maybe it was a relationship, maybe it was a job, maybe it was a whole city. There's certain cities that I look back on and go, ooh, I could have, yeah, I could have done more in that city. I could have done more. I had that feeling too. And I was able to tap into that. And instead of sitting in the regret of that, instead of saying, oh, I should have done more, I was able to go, you know what? 
that was a season. What do I want to do with the next season? And how do I figure out how to do something tactical and practical and really fun with it? And what if all it takes is a goal? If you like this episode or anything you've heard me say, you got to pre-order. You got to pre-order. Why? Because you get the entire audiobook. If you pre-order before September 12th, you get the entire audiobook for free. If you're listening to us on the 13th or 14th, still go to that URL. Maybe we haven't turned it off yet. You never know. We're very generous. ATGbook.com. Pre-order anywhere books are sold. Any edition. ATGbook.com. And you can get the free audiobook and all these bonuses. All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. That was fun. I think I'm going to do it one more time with another section of the book. We'll see. But I had a lot of fun doing that. We'll put our links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing this podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. Here's one I recently saw from Becca. Becca said, want to reach your goals? John Acuff is the guy you've been looking for. She said, I have followed John Acuff on the socials for many years. He provides practical advice for achieving your goals in an approachable, humorous, and non-judgmental way. If you want to reach your goals with more consistency and silence the voice of fear, this is the podcast for you. Thank you for writing that, Becca. That's super encouraging. Make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please write a review. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.